teenagers um and i actually i have to say you may have noticed loyal listeners that we've been gone for a while but that's actually not true we've actually recorded this uh podcast like 10 times but every time we recorded all of us died and we all had to go back in time um i flashed us back to this very moment of us recording um and so hopefully if you're hearing this now it means that i ryan shealy matt rather and tim swan we are not dead we are alive I've been having I've been having a torrid affair with future Ryan, just so you know, not to <laughs> not to be weird, but for all the but for all no, the it's okay, yeah, it's if, when when future Ryan comes back, it's not gay. <laughs> it's uh, for all the uh, for all the the Sheely Rather shippers, for yeah. all the the slash fic authors. I mean, um, I assume that that is every single one of your listeners. <laughs> I, don't I know, am surprised some, that there is not a Tumblr about one of our listener, Yes, uh, all one of our listener, um, you know, Cat, <laughs> our one listener, <laughs> is uh, is is definitely a hardcore Sheely rather shipper. Oh, I thought she shipped Sheely Stokes. <laughs> I just know that I keep getting killed off, you know, like uh, Ron Weasley does in the Harry Potter ones. Why, that right. is adjunct professor Timothy Swan. <laughs> Yeah, I, I work in the annex. It's exactly. somehow architecturally distinct and not that yeah, pleasant. It's, I it's died a in a horrible a car crash. <laughs> so uh, I'll have to thank I'll have to thank Ron for bringing us all back. Um, yeah, we've died so fire, many- fiery car death. Not fun, as we learn in Misfits season two, episode two. Yeah, yeah, no, it's and, and you know we every single time it was like we we encountered kept encountering someone with a different type of super sociological power, um, and it just was too much for us, and we made the wrong decisions, and so here we are again and again and again, and so as as we said, we are back with. Um, this is our fourth se- season of the of the TFT podcast. Uh, we've made it so far, um, and uh, and and we're uh, kicking it off. It's we're still a month before Gossip Girl comes back, so we're uh, going to basically continue the second half of our um, summer school. I guess I guess uh, TFT is basically on a quarter system, like the University of California in Los Angeles. Uh, have you heard of it? It's in Los Angeles, um, and and so uh, we're going to finish our summer semester. Semester, uh, with uh, finishing out uh, at least season two uh, of um, or series two of, of Misfits, um, per- perhaps push through uh, to season three if we have time, um, and then we'll get some. We're just going to get the um, get get the ball rolling again. Um, for so the if fall. you if you haven't yet seen the first half of uh, of series two. Um, you can pause and go watch it now. Or actually, I, I think what you should do is listen to this episode, then watch it, then listen to this episode again, and then perhaps a third time so that you can catch every last morsel of knowledge, every last crumb that we drop. And and download the podcast uh, each time on a different device. I mean, we're in a multiple screens era. So, you know, I think you need to have this podcast on many, many different screens. I mean, it would help if you did it actually from different IP addresses. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, so not all from your, you know, university or uh, home. You know, if you did one over the, the cell phone network. Uh, right, do one at a Starbucks or something. That would be very... Proxy server, several proxy servers. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. though though all in the United States, all proxy servers in the United States, because, you know, we're we're obviously looking to monetize this show. That's why we chose this subject matter and format. Oh, yeah. All right, so you don't do it like I do, where I'm, for my podcast, just trying to tick off all of the countries in the world, even if it's only one hit for each. (laughs) <laughs> I've got a Vatican City. I have no idea how I got that. I mean, unless I, they have Wi-Fi. That's just like surveillance, right? Um. <laughs> There's. I mean, I think that like uh, overthinking it in the in the almost five years overthinking it has been on. If we do the the analytics for the whole uh, five years worth of page views, um, we have every country that reports internet that reports internet traffic, including like Antarctica. We don't have North Korea and there's one central African country that doesn't, 
that doesn't show up. And I think um, Iran also does not uh, show up on our on our Google Networks map. But anyway, off topic. <laughs> no, no, I think it's it's um, yeah, it is. I was going to try to to justify it and relate it to something, but no, the topic is us, Matt, and and so it's on topic. Yeah. Um, no, but we're 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 getting back in. You know, I think that every time we start a new show or or kind of restart after a hiatus, there's always a little bit of um of, of figuring out where we are. And I think that you know, it's, <laughs> you always um, burn you always burn one or two episodes. You always just you know pour one or two in the ground. But I think I think it's worth. I think now that we're on, on the one hand, this hasn't been. Um, as as hiatuses go, this is um, um, long, but not too long. Um, and I think that we're picking back up with uh, where where we where we left off with uh, season uh, two of Misfits. And I think that you know, in in season two of Misfits, you know, it picks up pretty seamlessly. They don't time jump. There, everyone is kind of mourning Nathan, um, and 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 they're instructed to to go back to his grave um, because uh, because he's alive, right? Because Nathan doesn't die. Um, and, and so, you know, there's a lot of continuity, at least in the narrative. I think what's, what's interesting, um, and, uh, you know, one place where I wouldn't mind jumping in is so we're going to be covering season, uh, episodes one through three of season two of Misfits. I mean, I think as we go through this season, I feel just at the level, even before we get to theme at the level of structure, I'm finding these episodes to be a bit more episodic um, than than in the first series in that, you know, in, in series one, there is generally a kind of overall conflict that was about dealing with the 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 repercussions associated with killing their first probation officer and then the second. Um, and there's and even as there were, was, you know, focus on one of the one member of the gang each uh, episode, um, there were a lot of generally overarching themes, whereas you start to get a bit more of a monster of a weak feel um, mm. in this episode. And that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier when I said each time we had a different superpowered nemesis. Is that there's very much you know in the in the first episode, in the first episode is the is the shapeshifter, right? Um, if I if I'm not mistaken, or yeah, um, it's, it's crazy girl who's the uh, yeah who can. Um crazy girl from Simon's past who can take the appearance of anybody, right? Right, right, yeah. right. Um, and and there's... The second episode, um, Nathan's brother kind of appears and then helpfully dies before the end of the episode so that he doesn't have to be in any other episodes. Right, 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 exactly. And then, uh, yeah, the third one, Tattoo Guy, is dealt with. Right, right. so it's very much... By, uh, a fatal peanut allergy. Right. Right, and then and then even though we're probably not going to talk, you know, later on there's also um, uh, there there's video game guy and um, well, I guess spoiler alert, um, milk milk nido. Um, <laughs> yeah, lactokinesis. Yes, lactokinesis. very good episode. Power of lactokinesis, uh, and it really is mag mag uh, magneto with milk. Um, it's wonderful. No, um, so I mean, I guess the question is. Does this shift, you know, is this primarily a just, you know, did you guys pick up on this? Um, do, and does this, like, uh, have any, have an impact um, on this aspect of the storytelling? Does this have an aspect on the kind of thematic content of, of the show and kind of what it is, this type of um, effing teenager, teenager, teenagers piece that it is? Do you mean... Um- do, uh, does the shift from a from a more a, more serialized uh, to a more episodic format, right? right so um, less heavy, yeah. I mean, the overarching arc is about Superhoody, about future Simon, mm. and that is less. There's less to read into that, really, because it's about time travel, which isn't necessarily all that relevant. Whereas in the first series the serial story was about the interactions between them and their probation workers, usually murder, admittedly, um, which is kind of brilliantly satirized by Nathan in the first or second episode where he's like, can we stop killing our probation workers? Right, um, right, right. But, but uh, I think that that's that actually is very... kind of a more metaphorical conflict than I think 
Simon coming back because if we try and kind of read it into something closer to reality, it's more about, you know, how stalking, um, um, meticulous stalking can get you uh, a girlfriend who you never thought you'd have. And I'm not sure that's the, you know, a message, although it may well be true. I haven't really tried it very methodically. Well, I think that that's, I mean, I'm trying to think about, I think you nailed something really nice in terms of the teenagerness or this as a piece of teen drama. Um, the first season, in addition to the overarching, uh, like the large conflict, the macro conflict being about um, the probation office, it was, also, it was also about their powers, right? So at, at a level yeah. of meaning, it was about, you know, this process of self-discovery and the, these things that make, make you both unique and kind of unpleasant. And I guess what time, one thing that time travel does is emphasize this aspect of, of change and, and elements of, of growing old and adulthood potentially. Um, so that, that, that's one. So you're right that that is um, one potential kind of overarching theme. Um, and then I guess in some ways, one thing that could be going on is that part of, you know, rather than it just uh, being a change in the type of show that it is one thing that, is important uh, for the, uh, why it's important that there are all these people that are more powers is that, you know, as we started to see late in, in season one, we're learning that this storm didn't just hit this community center and that there are people like this all over. Right. And so it's about kind of broadening out the scope of in time and space. And so it's, it's situating this, this group in a larger set of like changes throughout the life course. Um, potentially, I don't know. Is that, am I just, um, pulling that out of my butt or do you kind of, is, is there something there in kind of where we are thematically in that series? In, in, in terms of, I mean, situating them, uh, within the context of a larger society, many of whom have had uh, have had alterations like this. Is yeah, 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 and, and yeah, yeah, and, and so, right, yeah, and so, and 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 hey, that, some of them, some of them are are grannies who you fuck. That's true. I mean, that's actually a good point. So we had and and even um, you know, again, even though we're like violent video game guy is older. Um, yeah. And and tattoo guy also is older. So um, well, I, and then it's moving into Seth at the end of the series, who is a main character who is very much of a different generation and kind of becomes increasingly important, or perhaps the most important character. Um, the so I let, I let me take this in a slightly different direction thematically, which is that I think that like an episodic style narrative establishes an equilibrium right that you know and and returns to the equilibrium cyclically um, sure. you know you know what i'm saying it's like uh, the way that the simpsons kids never never grow old and i mean that show comments on it regularly or at least did when i used to watch it the idea that like at, you know at the end everything will will kind of go back uh to the way to the way it is and the aspect of time travel um from the future well, I, I want to say two things about about equilibrium. Mm. One, uh, the aspect of time travel from the future uh, represents, I think, uh, the the like um, cognizance of a threat to the equilibrium. That is to say, future Simon has an agenda that things sort of remain on the track that they're on. You know, yeah. that they remain they remain as they are, so that what I mean, so that Alicia doesn't get dead, right? So that la- lady, Sib- or at least more importantly, that she ends up with him. Yeah, it's not merely to preserve her life. Right, right. So that okay. So that she. So that Lady Sybil doesn't doesn't kill Alicia, and that. Uh... Well, not until the end of series three, anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and that, yeah, 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 and that this relationship proceeds in the way that that future Simon would like it to. So there's the idea of like a threat to an equilibrium, and that's the closest thing. the The other thing, though, is like uh, towards the end, I started like going. I I went off kind of on a on a long rambling disquisition on you know uh british multiculturalism a a topic on which i know absolutely nothing about and you know therefore uh am fully qualified to talk about on the tft podcast and it's uh you know i think the idea of threats to a social equilibrium is um uh not unrelated to what we talked about uh in terms of multiculturalism and diversity within uh, British society 
on the last episode, and that the okay. idea of a more episodic structure um, establishing and returning to an equilibrium um, that is under threat from you know the future or that may be under threat in the future kind of encodes an anxiety about uh, encodes an anxiety about this culture that this that this show is uh, sort of getting at or is reflecting somehow. It reminds me of a story, and I'm not sure how relevant it is, but thinking about kind of the stability but resistance to change of multiculturalism is that uh, back in the boom years, there are a lot of people who were, you know, second gen or first generation immigrants from, you know, um, the Caribbean or from South Asia uh, who would start supporting much more kind of hardline right wing anti-immigration groups because uh, they, despite having been kind of part of this multicultural project, for want of a better word, I'm not sure how deliberate it really was so much as the natural process of Britain's evolution, um, to keep the next wave of people who are joining the cultural Mm. spectrum uh, from Eastern Europe, for example. And obviously... When Michelle Obama said the other night that, you know, once you pass through the door of opportunity, you don't slam it shut behind you. You reach back and, and help others through. I, I, I wanted to really? Say, is that yeah, what she said? Yes. yes I wanted to say that, that that assertion is at variance, you know, with with historical facts. Right? Well, that's, that's the, the, the way it's framed is that there is an ought that, that, yeah. that is there. Right. It is not descriptive. It's, it's normative. Yeah, it's a normative. Right? It's a normative. Not a, not a positive claim. Uh, sorry, uh, but I didn't. Mean I'm to- sure what you're getting a lot of from the Obamas is normative rather than descriptive statements. Well, yes, like vote for me, for example. <laughs> <laughs> so that, so that, oh, one comes, that one so comes from depressing. both. That one comes from both sides. But you're talking about successive ways of immigrants kind of wanting to slam the door uh, behind I, them. Yeah, it's it's a subset. I'd like to clarify it's a subset. But the point being that even though the 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 group is kind of multicultural, it's multi-background, they don't really want intrusion. And I guess that's where we get kind of episode one, is not only does Lucy, uh, the girl from the secure unit, um, who would totally be going to an art therapy class at a community centre, totally, um, you know, um, she resents simon for having new friends but the group don't really want to include a new girl with powers and it isn't just because she's crazy i don't think i think they're quite happy with the five of them um although we may have to look at the start of season three to see how they kind of adjust with a new group member but i think there's a certain amount of resentment about it but I think that that's I think that's right, um, and I think that you see that also with the other the new guy that joins the group the 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 guy who can uh, I believe teleport, um, who oh, then yes. is around just to, oh sorry I guess I guess we're actually doing episode one through four because I keep uh, talking uh, about like apparently that one is that that one actually resonated because that's he uh, exists pretty much for two reasons one to um, get killed by video game guy and two for his heart to go in um in in simon's uh not simon curtis's yeah curtis's new girlfriend right not alicia but uh we'll we'll remember her name nikki yeah okay i think of her as kind of future girl future girl yeah Mm -hmm. even though she rapidly enters the present darling nikki um, yeah, and so I think that um, I think that that's right. So that you see a lot of these attempts uh, to really cast out um, these various, you know, um, these, these various intruders. Uh, and I think that actually getting back to the idea of the of, of Lucy, you know, is that in some ways, right, her power is also about assimilation, right? That, that what she yeah. does is blend in, right? So that ah. very. Um, is very much this ability, right? And to the extent that um, what they, right? And 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 how do they deal with this, right? Is that they develop? Um, it's a password system, right? Is it monkey monkey slut? If if, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, um, and uh, but then and then that that fails them at some point as well, um, and and I forget how precisely, but right that that, that these are these barriers that are that are erected. Uh, to, to try to differentiate, um, and so this kind of dramatized that very interestingly through this uh, through this power. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, the, Tim, yeah, I mean, you wanted to talk about, uh, about her and about, like, whether she'd actually be there at the community center. So why don't, you know, uh, she's, she seems to be mentally ill and not just, uh, I don't know, not just who, who else should be at the community center. I mean, right, like, it's, it's, uh, she seems to need inpatient treatment, right? Well, yeah, they say she's from the secure unit and clearly she's permanently... Whereas Simon was sent there briefly. So Simon tried to burn someone's house down. That's the level of kind of behavior we're talking about. I mean, from an actual mental health perspective, the only sort of thing that is really going to let you get you locked up properly is a real danger to others. And there's various kind of gradations of security. So I've visited, you know, a place where people are very closely monitored, but that's more for their own safety. And you transition through kind of increasingly open places, much like a prison. Unfortunately, that is the kind of analogy that we've built from um, asylums um, and prisons. Um, But clearly she, yeah, is in a very high level um, containment facility. She would not be going out to an art therapy class, but let's accept that, you know, they've done something uh, optimistic about the kind of care in the community kind of point of view. But she must have done something very violent or destructive, not just to herself. And there's no evidence of her kind of doing anything to herself to be in the unit in the first place. And she sees a kindred spirit in Simon, who, let us not forget, is a creepy murderer, um, if a lovable one. Although not for long. I did want to mention that he's been uh, the actor, uh, Ewan Rayon, has been cast as Ramsey Snow in... uh, Song of Ice and Fire, the TV series, which I think is going to be interesting. Yeah, he does have that. He does have that thing. He could flay you, you know, does have that look in his eyes that, you know, flaying look. Uh, Yeah, I haven't seen as much cruelty from him as I was going to say I would like the nervousness you see. And I see it in other roles of his, but I think he'll I think he'll rise to the challenge. Yeah, sure. Anyway, Ramsey Ramsey Bolton, don't call him Snow. Exactly, yes. Um, but, you know, I think she sees that element, the Ramsey element, the burning houses down element in him. And it is the sort of, if you imagine if they were friends together, they're the sort of people who would be on the run doing cruel and unpleasant things and enjoying it, perhaps, that there is that level of darkness in him. But Yeah, well, and there's also episodes, and again, this may be later on but there's definitely some times where he's like you know he's like walking around along with his headphones on and the music he's listening to is like echo and the bunny man right like um and, yeah, which is uh, very much on the same level yeah no it's very actually what it reminds me of is um the goth characters uh on south park where there's there's one where everyone is in south park is becoming a vampire yeah. and the goths really hate that there's all these vampires because goths and vampires are totally different um and and there's one little goth kid who just keeps saying his solution to every problem is we burn it down, burn it down to the ground. <laughs> and then there's like a little um, fake Joy Division song about burning down the hot topic um, because it turns out that the hot topic is where the vampires are coming from. Um, and so the goths burn it down. Um, but that kind of, you know, and again, that was right. Um, even that that was what Simon um, tried to do was was he did try to burn a house down right um, if I'm not mistaken uh, if yeah. uh, for of of this guy his neighbor who like humiliated him um, yeah. and and so it's an interesting like I don't know this this arson as the tool uh, as as one of the kind of forms of violence of the kind of um, shy uh, socially isolated type. Well, I mean, yeah. I think it's I think it's because of its sort of metaphorical its sort of metaphorical links with like passion and sexual passion, especially uh, right that like this is the only way that that uh, you know that these creepy people can get that these creepy loners can get boners loners with boners loners with boners and yeah, later when Simon is going through this kind of list of insults thrown at him, it's this blend of. It's like, you've called me a pervert and a pedophile and a virgin. You know, that's his complaint. 
Right, yeah, he demands... It's, it's about eternal consistency. Yeah, he, uh, demands, he demands consistency from his tormentors. <laughs> well, perhaps, but... Or that they are saying that, you know, he is all three. He has these impotent desires. Um, but thinking about uh, Lucy, she's very much like her tool to divide and conquer is very sexual, really. The very first things that she does are all... Or, if, you know, up until she gets to use some violence, really is she seduces Simon as Alicia. She mocks Nathan, uh, but sexually. And then she pretends to have been sexually assaulted to Curtis. Um, And so she's very much A, targeting the men, and B, doing so in a sexual manner, which I think is interesting, and I'm not sure why. Although, you know, well, I mean, we could talk about what was one of the one of the studies we were reading on psychomedia recently was something like the third route to risky sex and i said well it's funny to you know think about oh the third route that's kind of funny a bit like a roadmap but the first route is mental health issues that are at least at present more prevalent in women you know kind of on bipolar spectrum and um borderline stuff which is controversial in terms of diagnosis but might have something to do with the sort of person who is doing destructive behavior and uses sex as a weapon. Wait, borderline is controversial in terms of diagnosis these days? (sighs) Definitions. I'm not sure how many of the personality disorders are going to make it through unscathed into the next statistical manual, basically, because just you don't get any men who get diagnosed with borderline, really. And it's because it's almost like the diagnostic criteria if you really made them a bit more broad, you'd end up with putting like antisocial and borderline in the same category, but it manifests slightly differently by gender, probably because of society, but it may well be the same underlying thing. And it's done. It has its origins in hysteria still. Basically. Uh, I, yeah, I and that's say, can a, we just, can we just call it all hysteria again and then go back to, well, treating... that was one of my finals questions, go basically. <laughs> Um, and I didn't answer that one. I talked about psychoticism in general and made up some stuff about bipolar because I'd not really studied it. Did you, um, can we just go back to treating women's uteruses, you know, the, the, their hysteria? Yeah. Like the big, the big, like, um, like, uh, rip cord, uh, uh, gas, like, uh, gas powered vibrators, like of, uh, of yesteryear, right? Steam, steam There's always the spinning wheel that you operate, you know, like with this huge mechanical wooden contraption or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've definitely seen at various times at various kinds of, in various displays, right? These like, um, like, uh, historical erotica and historical like sex toys um basically I've definitely seen at various times in various sort of displays in you know uh underground clubs in the lower east side <laughs> well yeah i i read uh on a twitter kind of uh, facts feed that the first known vibrator was a kind of tube that was filled with bees and used by cleopatra i think that's a little desperate that sounds apocryphal that sounds apocryphal i mean it sounds insane i i I can't source it i'm afraid because it was on twitter rather than proper but it's not (laughs) peer-reviewed well you really trust peer-reviewed journals um yeah nope but i have no choice (laughs) (laughs) exactly that's that's science um but yeah, yeah so i just the one other thing I want to say about mental health was not just about Lucy, but about everyone there. They go into, it's like, you know, one, they ask Sean, I love Sean. I think he is brilliant. And it's such a shame that he does eventually die. Um, but he manages to stave it off a lot longer than the other um, workers by not caring. And that seems to be the best defense mechanism as an adult getting involved in this dangerous youth world is apathy. Um, that actually, I mean, that, you know, as someone who has been a teacher, right? Like has been a high school teacher, uh, I can tell you that that is in fact true, right? Like that you, you just can't get involved in whatever it is these kids, these fucking teenagers care about, you know? Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know what you were like, like as a down, teacher, but sorry. it's because you'll die. It's because they'll kill, they'll murder you. And uh, <laughs> no, um, it's because, uh, I, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I think it, it's because it, um, 
it sort of it it sort of blurs the line, you know what I mean, between between kinds of relationships, and uh, you know, it, like I think that one of the things that that Misfits has shown is that these these. Uh, people who have a kind of quasi-custodial relationship, it, you know, the social workers, um, like trying to have a, a peer relationship or getting involved in interactions, in personal interactions with the the ASBO 5, right? Like, uh, it's just disastrous, right? Like, and part of it is because it's a horror show. Uh, but but part of it is because I think there's something there's something kind of wrong about those... Um, there's something wrong about someone who is essentially, a, a, you know, an agent of the state um, restricting your liberty on behalf of the state, right? Like acting like they're acting like they're your friend, uh, which is, you know, I guess Simon sees more with uh, the the lady social worker in yeah. towards the end of series one, right? Like that 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 should be a red flag, you know? Yeah, but again, but is you this think our- the other way is bad. Sorry, I stumped on you. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, that Sean does take it very far the other way. And I imagine as a teacher, you weren't exactly so blatantly apathetic. You know, there's appropriate professional distance. And I, you know, obviously think about that in my work as well. Um, and I'm sure we all do. But then there's genuine, like, in your face, I literally don't care what we're doing here. You stay out of my way. I'll stay out of yours unless you act out really quite thoroughly. Um, you know, to the point at five o'clock when they're all conspiring together, he's like, you're clearly up to something, but I don't care. My time's up. Uh huh. That's the other end of the spectrum. Fair enough. And in reality, or even in the show, perhaps an appropriate level of engagement is actually what's going to keep you is the best path to follow. Yeah, I guess we don't see that. I mean, I, again, we haven't seen Sean's path totally, but you say that he doesn't make it either. So I guess we don't really see a probation worker with the appropriate level of interest, right? <laughs> um, or is it, I mean, is there a good way to be a, a probation worker? I mean, is the system just so broken that... Uh, you're dead already. Once, yeah, once, you, once you're a probation worker, you're already dead. Yeah, yeah, always, always already, as Derrida would say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, the probation worker is always already dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's funny. Um, so a lot of people seem to get uh, lumped together, right, in this community center, right? It's, it's for old people. It's for uh, art therapy, for the, the mentally ill. Uh, it's for people with what? With, you know, learning differences and... and uh, you know who need that sort of support and it, yeah, it's, did they have a they had a young teenage mothers class yeah i was just gonna something. say single mothers yeah i remember single mothers um so it is yeah anyone you can put on a fringe this is the community center for them including the asbo five sort of marginalized right marginalized but it's it's um i mean it's interesting because it, part of the part of the argument of um of misfits, I think, is like le misfit c'est moi, right? Like, is that there, there are no fits. There, there are only misfits. I mean, at least name one. Who, who is, uh, you know, who is a fit in this society? Like La- Lady Sybil and her army um, are, are actually revealed to be, uh, if anything, more sinister than the sort of antisocial uh, uh, than the sort of antisocial teenagers who make up the the main cast of the show, right? Well, I think the, any- the fits are like the most of the adults out there, right? The parent figures, are yeah. they not? Like, who you never see. Yeah. Well, you never see them, and they also they don't seem like all that great uh, parents themselves. I mean, we meet um, uh, Nathan's parents, you know, and, and right. or father. We father. meet Nathan's father because oh, he's and, a misfit. And, and mother and stepmother, right? Yes, yes, mother and stepmother. Oh, and the stepfather is is a misfit, also, right? He's like a dog man. <laughs> Remember that in series one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the uh, uh, yeah, and mom is right. Well, mom is understandably a little fed up with Nathan, but. Uh, you know, it's not like it's not like she has huge reserves of sort of empathy and um, you know, I don't know, resources of mothering uh, for him. So, so right, we're we're all sort of, I guess, presumably there are people out there who are fits. I mean, there there is at least you know someone 
somewhere running the world in in the world of misfits but but it just seems like it doesn't seem um uh that hopeful to me about the 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 um prospect of what of what uh the psychoanalyst uh d w winnicott calls good enough he was talking about mothers good enough mothers right like but but being sort of good enough anything it's it's all fucked up i mean it's all sort of rotten to the it's all sort of rotten to the core and i think in this worldview right um uh every center is a community center right like everywhere is uh, just a sort of refuge of oh. of marginalized uh marginalized people um right the, because there is there is no sort of society right outside the outside the community center and a, and a sort of post industrial urban wasteland that the characters traverse together yeah i think well, that's just... go ahead tim sorry <laughs> you guys I was... are great yeah we're in total synchrony tonight which is not brilliant but i was just thinking like of the spirit of the years there's been a lot of contrast now that the olympics went so well of the spirit of 2011 and the riots with you know the exact same contrast of the spirit of 2012 and the olympics and it's a bit you know unsubtle but the point was that in 2011 the youth mostly kind of just something clicked and there was this rioting and looting and it wasn't about anger it was about acquisition and having often from people who have not and then the olympics is kind of this one where it's like yeah we're celebrating multiculturalism our best olympic hero is you know a somalian asylum seeker um and our other best one the child of a mixed ethnicity family when at the very beginning our fascist newspaper the daily mail was saying you'll never find as is shown in the olympic opening ceremony a stable uh, black and white mixed race couple and well their daughter just won you know gold in the heptathlon so shut up but misfits is a t- show about 2011 britain about youth that cannot be understood and cannot be held within the sort of trappings that say actually no you can't loot a tv because hey the fits and the people who are okay in society and who aren't living on these sink estates and don't have to go to the community center they've got nice tvs and it's you know misfits moving outwards i guess misfits starting war that's very contentious and obviously it's mostly seems to be socioeconomic to me but and so where the fault lies might be different but yeah that crash between youth and poverty with a culture that is acquisitive, perhaps affluenza, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that that's very interesting because I think that that is the what I was thinking of when I was thinking of the 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 fits is that it is it's not just that the whole world at at the start uh, or even as it goes on is is a community center um, because it, there is an implication that there are like places that are not run down there are you know maybe public spaces that are that, that there are these micro publics that are possibly even like privately owned third spaces right it's whether it's it's uh posh posh coffee shops or or um stores or shopping you know the the you know wealthy shopping neighborhoods that are like public spaces that you you know, you don't necessarily pay an entrance fee too, but you do in a certain way by having certain clothes um, and you know, um, you know, buying uh, certain products as a as a price of entry uh, and not being a sort of threatening presence there. Um, and and so that there's like a a there's a segregation. It's a, there's a there's an implicit segregation um, of of public space. But I think as Tim is saying is that that's that's pushing outward um, and that. Um, I guess one of the things, in some ways, that the storm cloud um, uh, does huh. is is actually spread that. It's like this dispersing mechanism, and and it's starting to really propagate uh, this um, this the, the, the community center um, throughout. So it's 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 this the A kind this, of Derridean dissemination of you know of this idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Unpack that a little bit. Um, oh, uh, now you're going to make me go to go to Wikipedia because I was just I was making a cheap joke. Uh, uh, dissemination is um, 
nation is a dirty an idea that has to do with um uh that has to do with the the kind of the broadcast of ideas and while i look it up someone someone uh give me some traveling music well, what I was what I was looking up, I'll tell you what I, what I was looking up on Wikipedia, um, and it was. <laughs> we'll take a break from this uh, from this uh, otherwise very good discussion to, to to read dramatic readings from Wikipedia. Uh, but what I was I thinking of um, in this type of these various, I guess, the question of in kind of post-industrial society, does a organic public space exist, right? Because I think what's very interesting about the community center is that it seems, and I think we talked about this in the first episode in which uh, we, we talked about misfits, is that it's part of this push, this kind of high modernist push of urban planning in which it's saying that, you know, um, looking at what a community looks like and what a public space looks like and wanting to, in an urban context, you know, plan housing using, plan council houses, um, plan certain types of retail and then plan these public spaces. Um, and in some sense, even, you know, even the types of commercialized and kind of neoliberal public spaces, privatized public spaces also are planned in certain ways, even though they're more coordinated through market mechanisms. Um, and, and they all have, they're kind of two sides of the same coin. And the thing that it made me think of um, was a, one, of the, one of the films uh, that I, I watched during our, our hiatus was um, a documentary called The Pruitt-Igo Myth, um, which is about uh, one of the kind of largest and most infamous uh, housing uh, projects uh, in the U.S. Um, that was um, uh, in St. Louis, um, and it was it was built in the '50s and uh, was you know in the beginning the you know a shining example of this type of planned community, um, and um, within within like two decades um, had fall, fallen into complete disrepair um, in part due to certain dynamics of, of white flight um, and eventually you know was turned down and uh, torn down in, in two decades and and so I think about again this um, you know that there's these tensions about on the one hand movement of people and separation and then the you know the movement of kind of networked ideas and networked um, social, uh, you know, uh, society and social relationships that that penetrate this and interpenetrate this, and I think that this is again, you know, relates to the, how youth culture works. Um, in that, you know, one, another way to interpret this, you know, the youth center being everywhere is that, you know, yeah, there might be fits, but they're never relevant. Is that the, the thing that creates pop culture is the teenager, right? And, and that, and then that is what ultimately is the thing that, 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 that sets the dominant tone for society in certain ways. And so that there are these, it, it kind of cuts across these various produced public spaces to both create these, um, these various ruptures. I guess uh, what I'm actually um, kind of describing uh, is even more than this, like a Derridean uh, dissemination. Is this kind of um, Deleuzian uh, war machine, right? And and that there is a, that teenagers are the war machine, um, and in this idea of this like non-state actor, right? That are and, and that that are, are that are networked and and are are, are fluid and are are, are smooth. And, and, and then the state attempts to sort of capture these forces. Um, and then there's a process, again, of, like, of, of deterritorialization, of, of breaking away um, and fusing. And, and again, these, these, these storm clouds uh, represent these, these moments of, of rupture that, again, are captured and, and, and then break away in various ways. And I think we see that process of forming and reforming and fusing um, and movement uh, throughout um, the season is another. I mean, I guess I think it's adjacent to the the lava lamp of society idea that we've also talked about, right? Mm-hmm. That it's all again about the way that social and cultural forms interact and move apart. Sure, and um, I mean the the lava lamp in society was was more or less about who's fucking who on Gossip Girl, and you know what permutations of the complex sexual molecule uh, have and haven't been tried yet, and. Um, 
but that, but you have to understand that when we talk about about Gossip Girl, we're we're talking about the rise and fall of the great powers. You know what I mean? Like these these things are like you know it's Chuckistan, uh, you, you know, and the kind of the the history of Chuckistan and Waldorfia. That that is I'm right. That is to say, it's not. Um, uh, it's it. We're sort of thinking of we're thinking of them as almost these characters as almost sort of social social forces or sort of social groups um, uh, themselves. I mean, many of yeah, they're they're political units, right? They're okay. So, so they're, basically, they're yeah. what you're saying is that it's uh, gossip powers Hitalia. Yeah. <laughs> Um, All right. So dissemin- dissemination is is uh, uh, dissemination and insemination is part of the theory of kind of how uh, information and ideas come to mean the things that they mean. Dissemination is the title of a uh, of a collection of essays um, by Derrida in 1972, and it it included. Um, it included the famous essay uh, Plato's Pharmacy that was about uh, the the relationship, b- about the kind of slippage in the meaning of that word um, uh, for sacrifice, meaning um, uh, meaning uh, sort of uh, poison or cure, uh, kind of at the at the same time, and sort of deconstructing the boundaries between. Uh, uh, inside and outside, that is to say, what what terms are sort of latent, um, what terms are sort of latent in other terms. In other words, what what lava lamp bubbles are uh, you know down by the incandescent light bulb, just waiting to sort of form, but always sort of latent and always sort of a part uh, of the forms that you see there. That's that's uh, that's Derrida and dissemination. Okay, uh, can I jump on networks and places, please? Yeah, yeah. So the network thing, like youth as a force, again made me think of the riots, and you contrast that with state power. Is that these things were organised by BlackBerry Messenger? It was quick. It was communicative. Yeah, it was yeah, gathering yeah. people to one yeah. place where exactly. the state wasn't, because the state was working on protocols and intercoms and so on and so forth. Um, on spaces, I mean, in Misfits, we see a spectrum of social places that I guess becomes more important, especially as Series 2 goes on. And I'm not sure if it first appears in uh, Episode 2 of Series 2 that you have the bar. And they call it, what, the bar on the estate or something like that. And then you have the one that's been there from the start is the club. And the club is solely about the youth. It's a place for the misfits. It's not kind of a safe place. Well, it's not a safe place for Simon because he doesn't fit in with youth. But then it's not really a safe place for adults like the cops and you don't see right, any I was thinking about really the there. cops because right? that's one of the major plot lines in that club is the... Um is is the the undercover cop right and then we we yeah. see several permutations of that timeline yeah. um and he's and an then, alien there right right and then we get back we come back to the club in i believe it's it's episode two of this season right uh yeah. with uh with uh um with with uh nathan's brother right and and he spikes everybody's drinks and and the spiking kind of it 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 basically makes it opposite day, if I remember correctly, right? That, that, yeah, I was um, trying it, to come up with some pun, you know, like reverse E or, you know, bizarro something. I don't know. I haven't had bizarro, time to write it. Bizarro Coke. Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's got to be, you know, something pill-like, isn't it? Um, uppers, MDMA, something like that. Um, and then you almost get a joke on the um, Requiem for a Dream iris shift. Well, that's right. what I assume that's a reference to, although it's so in the culture that it doesn't have to be specific. Sure. You know, yeah, I mean, it's it... a trope. But, um, yeah, which is weird. Like, where did he come across some pills that reverse all their powers? And what would those pills do to a normal person? Well, we're not quite sure. Does it just have the usual effect on him? It's actually just Viagra. Um. <laughs> I think that if they gave Viagra to Nathan, we'd hear about it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly um, considering the start of that episode um but yeah the and i think the spiking stuff is interesting because it's such like a big worry and deal in clubs isn't it uh, i say this as a non-expert but yeah i don't i don't uh i i, I confess i'm too old to go to a lot of clubs i'd feel out of place 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would definitely. Your state you, power now. You're, yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. Your state. You're, you're 5 0. Uh, <laughs> well, I think it is interesting. I mean, I guess uh, thinking about it, of, uh, asking what it would do to a normal person, I think in some ways there is maybe, again, thinking about this on like more of a metaphorical level, it is trying to, in that way, represent of the ways in which, you know, the, the, the kind of experience of taking drugs, of it's either if not creating the opposite of yourself, there is this like almost a, you know, there's some kind of a, a it's both based in yourself, but then very different. Right. And, and I guess it is in some ways the opposite. Um, and so that, you know, the very few people, and again, um, speaking as captain straight edge, mixed straight edge pants. Um, <laughs> yeah. Are any of us yeah. really qualified? <laughs> I, I think I, I'm I'm about as I'm about as qualified to talk about the 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 experience, psychological experience uh, of of taking drugs as Matt is to talk about British multiculturalism. So I'm gonna keep diving right in. Uh, okay, well, well, at least at least Matt's been to Britain. I don't know. I've seen people on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Ah. That- I Their irises go article. crazy. Well, um, yeah, but I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, r- relating uh, being going to Britain and being being on drugs. Yeah. I think one of the one of the interesting things that we're talking about today is is the relationship between place between person and place, right? Mm. Between sort of self and and sort of context. And and one of the things that that drugs do is i think you can kind of um you can kind of conceive of them somehow as as sort of altering the context altering the internal experience of the of the context and so like people say you know uh or i you know i've heard it said that this or that substance like sets me free you know what i mean or or um uh, kind of lets me cut loose, right? Like, and well, free from what? Loose from what? Right? The, the the there there is some kind of restriction which is figured in spatial terms, uh, yeah. metaphorically that um that the drugs let you sort of cut loose uh, or sort of uh, be away from. And so, if you are living in, if you are a member of the like the networked youth culture, living in the post-industrial urban wasteland, you know, and your your sort of all your your sort of places are constrained, especially if you are, uh, you know, by order of the judicial system, placed on some sort of um, restricted, your liberty is restricted, placed on some sort of program of, of restriction. Um, you know, the, the drugs are, are a means, uh, of the drugs are a means of kind of going to another place. Right. Right. And I think that is fascinating because it is that like that, again, this interaction between the internal and the external is very much what we're talking about. Right. So on the one hand, the experience of watching somebody be on drugs is what you're seeing is that, oh, the drugs make this person behave so much differently, right? It changes them. Um, and, and what you're saying is that the, uh, what it is doing, the, experience, the subjective experience of taking drugs is that you are, your relationship to your social surroundings and you know, to the, the kind of boundaries, both like physical, but more like... The, the the social boundaries um, and you know, crossing lines um, is what changes, and so that there's this interesting relationship between you know what it is that like makes the social order work, right? Is that we have certain things that are internalized, and the the, the drug experience is kind of you know is based in that. It doesn't generally take you so uh, to a totally different planet um, or or or. Um, way of being in in many cases um but that that like starting there goes in some tangent um and 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 so that you know there's this interesting it changes the relationship between that subjective um experience and the intersubjective experience of what this is and and who who we are right um and i think that that's what's happening in a lot of these these cases right um i mean most notably the most notable kind of um uh, power shift that I remember is um, is Curtis's flash forward, right? That um, and and that you know that's one way of it. Really, he he um, you know breaks free, right? Or the way that he he um, 
kind of escapes, right? Um, is that he actually escapes the rewinding and, and, and fast forwards. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, and he does something that he might regret. He, and it changes his future, that particular moment, because he knows as soon as he sees uh, Nikki that it's actually going to be her in the future that he's in love with or what have you. Um, I was thinking, Kelly, she never gets to escape truth. And Alicia never gets to really escape people being kind of disconnected from her. Whereas, you know, yeah, Curtis gets hurtled into the future in which he is doing something that is completely new. And it doesn't matter whether he regrets it or not. It's this foretaste. And Simon, you know, has this um, new experience of people being fascinated by him and attracted to him. Right, 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 um, right, right. The girls do get kind of worse off by that even though i think the kind of bit with kelly is brilliant where she's telling the truth and it is in a way liberating because her and nathan have been dancing around the issues of do they want to be friends or do they want to be romantic partners and they're confused and unsure and communication is a part of that because mm-hmm. i mean imagine trying to have a sit-down conversation with nathan and like right what is a, where is our relationship going nathan right. it's not well, going to happen one thing i have learned uh, about british culture is that if if you want to be my lover <laughs> <laughs> what what do you have to do matt well what you have to do is you have to get with my friends huh. it's, it's important to uh, i guess see the meaning of get with that has evolved over time right i think I hope. That, that I don't also know. Maybe that may be a, a, a British American, la- you know, two countries divided by a common language. Um, well, no, because I think now everyone does read it in the way of "please don't get with my friends." That's not the way to a, you know, good relationship, unless they're some part of some kind of insane vetting process. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, everyone understood what Britney Spears was saying when she said, "Hit me, baby, one more time." As well, you know, like I, we, these pop songs are not models of clarity. Uh, I, I thought that she was foreshadowing the popularity of popular BDSM ebook uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, no, you're right. That Britney Spears is a time traveler. Um, that is her her power. That's why um, she was wearing a school uniform, but kind of looked weird and not the right age, right? Totally. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Uh, okay. <laughs> But, you know, um, what I really want to do is really, really zig-a-zig-ah, uh, <laughs> is what I, is know, what I want to do. Sl- slam it to the left if you're having a good time. Uh, shake it to the right. Let me know that you feel fine. Kick it to the run- front. <laughs> ha, ha. Go round. I'm glad that what we now all have Googled is the lyrics of Wannabe by Spice Girls. <laughs> what are you talking about, Googled? <laughs> yeah, no, I did I, I mean, Googled, I mean, looked deep into my most cherished <laughs> memories of my own youth. <laughs> my, oh, the Spice Girls were my beginning of my fascination with that kind of late 90s bubblegum pop. Uh, and I, I, I did watch the film Spice World uh, soon after. Oh, yeah, it, we were talking about this in yeah. London. Soon, soon after it came out uh, on uh, DVD, on digital versatile disc. I didn't even know that ever happened. I was incredulous. <laughs> that, that anyone would actually release that, uh, you know, and that anyone would buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't remember where we were on Misfits. <laughs> yeah, and I, I could rap, but I'm just going to, you know, let the dead air just stretch out. <laughs> well, no, because yeah. if you let there be dead air, I will just start a new topic and you don't want that. You know, well, I'll, then I'll, I'll pick one of my random. Look, I've got a whole random list of things. I could just say Pizza Express and talk about. Yeah, that. I should just keep saying Pizza Express for a little while. <laughs> I, I had a message today of someone just asking me to say the word about over and over again. You know, I, I'll, I'll I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> this you think this is what people tune in for? Yeah, I mean, if, if you lasted this long, I mean, you know, I I think that's exactly it. No, I think that. Listen, I think that this is um, like like the youth, um, like the youth of, of of Britain. We too are a Delusian war machine, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you know, in those moments in which we get 
captured by a topic and a relevant a line of discussion, we we then we then break forth rhythmatically um, with 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 a a dramatic reading of Spice Girls, followed by dead air, followed by a bit of scrambling, um, and so we. We ask you two to join our nomadic war machine, uh, listeners. Um, and there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, you could, you could follow us on Twitter. Uh, that's going to get more active again, probably at, at TFT podcast. Why you could email us TFT podcast at overthinking it.com. You could, for instance, go to the show notes, uh, on the website. Uh, you can call 20 Fat Jog 01-203-285-6401. Um, and That's most of plus all, one, and then that number. Exactly. Um, but most of all, you can get back into the swing of things with us. Uh, I think uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll, we'll keep notes on the show notes and on the Twitters uh, about the, the order. But uh, expect us to, to close out the remainder of uh, Series 2 of Misfits. Um, expect, like I said, some more Friday Night Lights on the horizon. Hopefully with the, um, the, the TFT podcast uh, debut of, of Matt Belinke. Um, uh, to to talk about uh, why Glee is the best show of all time uh, in anticipation of the uh, the the season four uh, premiere of Glee, uh, Matt Belinke. It's a this is a TFT exclusive. Matt Belinke uh, on on the great artistic merits of of Glee, um, and then uh, in early October we'll be doing some some Gossip Girl, the the last season of Gossip Girl. Um, it's going to be big. We're going to do it. We're going to do it right. Uh, but till then. We will be um, will be disseminating things deridianly. Uh, we'll be in the public spaces. We will be assimilating and de-assimilating. But most of all, we will be discussing these, these fucking, fucking teenagers. teenagers.